The Great Resignation. What started as a predominantly US-centric movement is predicted to have global momentum in 2022 as employees the world over continue to question how to ensure their work aligns with their values. For HR leaders, attracting, engaging and retaining top talent has never been so mission critical. In fact, new Workday research shows that HR leaders are the most confident among the C-suite in their team's ability to accelerate transformation across the wider business. So, what is the outlook for workforce transformation in Europe in the year ahead? And how is this reshaping the nature of the HR function in companies across the EMEA region? I'm Megan Wright, Senior Editor at Longitude, a Financial Times company, and joining me for this discussion is Sierra Lacani, Chief People Officer at Dashlane. Sierra, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Meg. Look, I wanted to start on this point that the Great Resignation is becoming globalised because there are some who predict that Europe and, to a certain extent, Asia-Pacific have been slower off the mark because these are markets that perhaps have more protected workforce environments. Of course, there's also the possibility that the Great Resignation isn't so much a major step change, but rather the culmination of maybe two years' worth of job change happening in a very short period of time. Sierra, based on your experience, how has the Great Resignation translated in Europe so far? And what impact do you think it's having, if any, on Europe's workforce at the moment? Yeah, it's a really good question. There's fewer broad data sets available than I think we would all like. But what we've experienced at Dashlane, which is operating mostly across France, Portugal, and the U.S., is that while our employee attrition rate in Europe remains lower than in the United States, it has raised an equal proportion throughout this period. There is a lot of speculation about whether the Great Resignation, as you said, right, is just because people switched less during the pandemic um, and now they're switching and it will quiet down. No one traditionally has been great at predicting the future, so I'm not going to try. But we do see in Europe, as well as in the U.S., some of the same themes that are present. And yes, fewer people moved during the early stages of the pandemic where there were great levels of uncertainty. But what feels universal at this point is the experience of living through the pandemic has caused people, each in their own way, to reevaluate how they spend their time, how they picture spending their time moving forward. And along with the proliferation of more job opportunities per individual, particularly in the tech industry, where many companies that were requiring office presence are now open to hiring anywhere across Europe and in some cases anywhere across the world, people have more options. I'm really interested in your perspective as a HR leader then on how this is perhaps changing the very nature of what HR leaders and their teams need to do within the business itself. What are some of the things that you're witnessing? There certainly is a lot of change. And I think, as you said in the introduction, where it's interesting to note that the HR professionals are more confident than the other functions that our teams can adapt to this. We are used to, and it is our profession, to balance 
you know, hundreds of competing priorities often and stay abreast of the changes that affect the largest expense in many workforces and the largest driver of a workforce, which is its people, right? And the thoughts, feelings, preferences, work styles of people are constantly in evolution, which has only been accelerated over the past 18 months, which is something I certainly see. But I think in terms of going forward with that, um, we need to be ready to have better mechanisms for listening, especially the larger that a company scales for data-based listening to stay close to what employees want and not have that be driven by assumptions from the C-suite of executives. For the third year running, Workday and Longitude partnered to conduct a global study of 1,150 senior business leaders. And yes, while we did find that HR leaders are the most confident among the C-suite when it comes to their team's ability to accelerate transformation, we also saw some really interesting trends. So more than half of HR leaders actually did also agree that there's a growing gap between where their business is today and where it needs to be in order to compete. So how do you think Europe's HR leaders in particular, if we start to think about this as a region that has had a slightly different experience in the last two years, how can Europe's HR leaders drive accelerated business transformation? What I'm seeing is that the answer comes down to more personalization than ever before more personalization in what each business in their particular um, state needs, more personalization in regards to a greater variety of preferences and requests from the employees who work for us. And that makes it hard. There was more unification of all HR practices. If you look back over the years from there used to be, you know, generally one best practice on how to conduct a performance review, et cetera. And this is falling away. And particularly in regards to Europe, although, of course, I am American and have only lived here full time for just over a year now. There is more, particularly in tech, assertion of let's not import ideas from the U.S. or from elsewhere in the world. So that is also leading to greater personalization and a lot of pride, particularly in the EU, for let's look at the software providers that we use and where they're from and what their regional understanding is. So that's something especially for for large companies to be mindful of as a trend. And positive employee experience actually is a really interesting thing to start to look at through the lens, especially of technology, I think, because we asked HR leaders how they felt they could best accelerate transformation as we're discussing. And positive employee experience came up time and again as the number one response. I'm interested in your perspective here, both as a HR leader who is looking at tools and technologies for your own team, but also as a HR leader in a technology business. What are some of the tools and technologies that you're really drawing on to start to improve employee experience? Yes, like many other companies, even as the pandemic hopefully fades away, we are going to be hybrid going forward. Only 19% of our people would like to be in the office more than three days a week, and only 1% said they see themselves in the office every day of the week. And we do still have a majority of people living close to our offices, so it's 
uh, just a matter of personal preference in regards to where they work. So I think a lot of the tools that we're thinking about are how do we facilitate people working together, knowing that some will be in offices and many will be at home while they work. And then lastly, I would say the area of social facilitation. So what's really important, especially in globally distributed companies where people may not meet each other in an office even occasionally is that people have an opportunity to get to know each other that makes more context sharing, fewer conflicts, and ultimately makes work go faster. Mm. I wonder if you're able to give an example perhaps from Dashlane and from your experiences of perhaps an area that has had to be reimagined as part of this move to a hybrid workforce. Uh, Many, but... I think looking at how we staff the teams that work on building various aspects of our software is probably the the one that comes to mind first. So in the past, while we've been working in a distributed fashion internationally, there was a preference for let's staff people where we can that are co-located so that they can collaborate in person when they work that is no longer a preference. And it's instead, how do we find the best skills for the team? How do we think about time zones and know what each person's preference is in regard to their time zone flexibility? Because just because there's a professional who may be working in California with one who may be working in Brittany and France doesn't mean that they can't work together and you don't know what those people's time zone preferences are just by where they live. So finding ways to be on top of that in regards to staffing. I'd love to drill into that a little bit more if we could, because I think it would be really interesting to look at perhaps the experiences you've had as a global company. Something that struck me about the research findings was that there's actually quite an interesting confidence gap between HR leaders in North America and those in EMEA and APAC. I'm wondering if you think this might be reflective of the great resignation and some of the trends we discussed earlier, or if you think that HR leaders globally are just having to maybe fare with different challenges and risks that have been associated with the events of the last two years? What I can see from my perspective is that in Europe, particularly picking up over the past year, there is a lot more growth and investment in venture-backed companies than ever before. And this has really created far more HR positions. Um, You have a lot of people relocating to the area, such as myself. And I think it's a lot more setting something up Um, in an accelerated fashion that has not happened in the U.S. in a while where it seemed more stable in Silicon Valley and even in secondary tech cities in the U.S. than here in Europe. So just the explosive growth. We even have members of our board of directors who have moved on behalf of their venture capital firms to London to spend full time, you know, being closer to the European market, investing in Europe. So there's just a, an influx of big funding rounds and activity there, which absolutely filters down into hiring, how often people change jobs, the number of opportunities they have, and the number of HR professionals needed, and the challenges that they're asked to resolve for the companies. What do you think that means for how we measure success in HR? I think having KPIs reflects the scope of what HR professionals feel they're out to do is always challenging. There's a lot that doesn't feel very measurable when we look at how we spend our time. 
So it's difficult to parse how much of that is because of a digital transformation versus how much of that is the nature of the human resources profession. But it's absolutely something that we need to continue to try to find the the best solutions to in regards to what do we measure and how do we define success. For me, with a lot of companies that I talk to, there's not a broad consensus on that. It's often more so driven by what the executive teams agree to and align on as things they could look at for success. But with the trend of the great resignation, um, what is more in common among companies is that looking at turnover or attrition rates is something that's being more often talked about and is, is very prominent. So thinking about all these changes then and your priorities for the year ahead, Sierra, what are some of the investments you're prioritizing at the moment to really ensure that you're able to strike the right balance within your team? Yeah, some of our big investments are based on where we are as a a company and what we pulled back on in terms of investment during the pandemic and what we'd like to put to the, the front now. One of those big ones is employer branding. With more hiring in general, we see an increased demands and the trend accelerated for people to really have a feel for where they'll be working. And in an age where they can't visit the office during all of their interviews and see a very large percentage of their coworkers there, there's even more demand for what are the digital materials that will give them a feel of the culture that they'll be joining. So that's something that we will be investing a lot in this year. I do think the trend towards personalization, towards supporting people's autonomy and how they accomplish the mission in their job and and from where, et cetera, is something that ultimately is driving positive change for people's experience at work and in life. And so while that's challenging for companies to find the right way to adapt to and perhaps not as efficient, I think that it's, it's a positive for society and people want that autonomy. People want the psychological safety to talk about what they want in their career, how their manager can help them get it. And I think that if companies are open to listening to that, to seeing what they can do, where they can be flexible to meet both the desires of the person as well as the needs of the company, that is how we'll ultimately resolve the great resignation because that is what people are in search of. Absolutely. Sierra, I think that's a perfect message for our listeners to take home. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Meg. Thank you, everyone.